The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, professional family mediator. My guest today is Judy Graybill, who is a certified coach, a speaker, an educator, and a writer. She helps people learn to argue less and relax more. Welcome to the show, Judy. Let's start with what got you into the work that you're doing now. Where does that okay. come from? Um, well, just like most people, a personal experience. Um, I started as um, my this professional career becoming a certified step family coach because I um, fell in love with somebody who had kids, and once we moved in together, um, we experienced a lot of the step family dynamics that the majority of step families experience, but we didn't know how to handle them. So instead of resolving our conflict, um, because we weren't able to resolve our conflict, I should say, the tension kind of just lingered and it built and built. And so um, it was just, you know, it's like a big snowball rolling down a hill and just doomed for disaster. We eventually got a, a relationship counselor, but she was not versed in step-family dynamics and she wasn't able to help us and we broke up. And then afterwards, I found the Step Family Foundation, and the light went off. And I started learning about um, the common dynamics, and I realized that that's really what was going on in my situation. And um, from then on out, I knew that exactly what I wanted to do was to help other people from um, save them from what I experienced, the frustration, the heartache, and the pain and all the tears, um, mm-hmm. because if I didn't know any better, then I knew that there was a lot of other people that didn't know any better. And that was in spite of my formal degrees in psychology and sociology. So wow. my degrees did not prepare me for that. And then after I started helping step families, um, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to help them with their co-parenting issues like with their ex-spouse. And so now I also help with that aspect, and that's where the transforming strain relationships come in because what I realized is that um, these same techniques that are used for step-families and for ex-spouses can really be used with any strain relationship, whether it is an in-law, a sibling, um, it could be kids, it could be a cousin, it could be friends, it could be coworkers. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I've done a fair number of interviews with people who work with co-parenting questions and one interview with Patricia Papernow, whom you know is another expert on working with step families and helping them succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm hoping today we'll talk more about the other kinds of relationships that become very difficult because that'll be newer for this show. Yes, um, Absolutely. I, I completely agree because I do because that is really important, especially with the holidays coming up. And like I said, these techniques can help with any strained relationship, whether it's an in-law, a sibling, your kids, your cousin. And I really want to concentrate on that. Okay. Do you have a story to get us started? Um. Yes, actually, I could give you like my own story with um, my my family, for example. Um, a couple years ago, uh, my family have had my sisters and I, and I have several sisters. I have five sisters all together, and we've we came to the realization that we had to put my mom in a um, senior living home because she has Alzheimer's, and. Um, we were all brought up and raised by a single mom, so all of us are very fiercely independent, and none of us really knew how to work together as a team, and we found us ourselves in this situation where we had to, or at least we thought we had to or wanted to, but we had no idea, and what it manifested like was a seemingly power struggle even though none of my sisters would actually use that word. Um, that's what it felt like to me, where each one of us wanted to be the power of attorney, and but only one person could really do the job. And so I, I, what I wanted more than anything else was to work together with my sisters as a team, and I worked at that, and I transformed the relationship that we had between each other. There's one sister in particular that she and I butt heads a lot. And um, and now we're all on the same page. We have a, we work on a majority vote with regard to my mom. And I feel like if we can do this, and just to tell you, like my best friend thought that I was insane. He said that I was illusional to think that we would ever, <laughs> he was like, Judy, you don't really expect you and your sisters to get together, do you, and work together as a team? And I'm like, well, I said, I don't know that I expect it. I said, but I have hope. Okay. And and it worked. So, so did um, you do that amongst the six of you? Did you do that without help from a mental health professional and without help from a family mediator? Yes, I we did. You, the six of you figured it out on your own with a lot of well, leading from you. Well, it was really mostly things that I did that I I felt like I, I, I know that they were working on it too individually because I know that they had the same desire that I did but and I think that that was a part of it but mostly I think I give myself a lot of credit because I had enough training to know what I needed to change and how I needed to change it Not nece- I'm not saying that it was easy which is why I want to help other people through it because it was actually extremely difficult uh-huh. Even knowing what I know, it was still difficult. Oh yeah, and that's what were, why what were I'm the steps? 
Did you start working just with one sister at a time or with the one who was the easiest ally or the one who was the most difficult? What were the steps? Um, well, we actually started doing family meetings, which I called um, and, and, and I organized. So we, we, we had a lot of family meetings over several months, and um, it, that was one of the, the starts for us. And so just to relate this to other people, um, other people are not necessarily going to have, like, a group of people that they have to deal with, and sometimes one-on-one is more practical. So um, I also want to say that I think that I've also in some ways been working on these things for years, even though the crux of this happened over a few months' time. Overall, I was working on this for years with um, different family members as far as just trying to have a better relationship with them and really doing a lot of self-evaluation of what was causing it in the first place, and mm-hmm. and that was that was really hard because it wasn't it was a lot of what did I do to cause this? Where did this start? When did this start? How soon in our relationship did it start? I went back into the childhood as much as possible, um, and which is definitely what I encourage people, whether especially with ex spouses um, or any sibling member as early in the relationship because at one point it was good and then at some point it wasn't. And then just, and what I did for me is just really get very persnickety at what those look like. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and it is intriguing that you were able to accomplish that much. Now you mentioned that you were each independent and you each wanted to be in the position of power, to have the power of attorney to make the decisions on behalf of your mom. Did you have disagreements about what was best for your mom or just disagreements about who should be in charge? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question because it's a question I asked myself as well because, um, and I noticed this with uh, couples that I've helped too um, when it comes to the co-parenting over the kids. Um, Sometimes, for us, it was, I don't remember anything specific in hindsight, although, like, my intellect tells me that there were specific things, but I can't remember what they were, because I think it was more about the fear of what we were going to do, because when one person, um, because the power of attorney, it's like the problem is right in the term of what it's called, power of attorney. So um, family members who are not really, really tight, and especially with ex-spouses and uh, any siblings, the fear sets in of what they're going to do or what they could do. And it's not always specific, and I can't remember anything specific. Although um, when we – I can give one example. For example, when mom was in a – we had to put – so we had her in one – senior living home, and I wanted to move her, and they didn't. And this was before we established the power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, so this had, is one... Had she already been diagnosed? Yes. So with- she was already diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and she was in a memory unit, and I didn't feel like they, that that company 
that that home had her best interest at heart, that they weren't doing a really good job. And some of that wasn't necessarily disputable, but what the, my sisters were disputing was that, um, that we would find a better place or that these things were big enough problems to actually move mom because moving an Alzheimer's patient is a very big deal. Yeah. Um, My mom also had Alzheimer's, so I'm, I'm well aware of what a big deal that is. <laughs> yes. And so, um, and so they, my family is big on not cause, wanting to cause waves, so um, there is a lot of that. They were very concerned. I, I'm a very assertive person, and I don't mind speaking my mind. <laughs> and I think that they were also afraid that um, I was going to overstep my, uh, overstep my um, not so much overstep, but state my mind in a, in a way that was going to um, not give us a good relationship or rapport with the home, and that would, and that that would negatively affect mom's care. Mm-hmm. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of different fear involved, and it was not necessarily, um, not always a specific thing. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you all ultimately decide to move your mom to a different place? Yes, you did. Okay. And that came out, that came through, eventually that came through a majority vote. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. And, and that was one of the things that I, that I, I think that a lot of um, co-parents get stuck on. So if we actually um, do a little bit of analogy here, and so in this case it was about my mom, but in many cases it's about the kids, or it could be another matter within the home um, that is really important. Um, but I see this a lot with ex-spouses, for example. Right. Um, that it's actually, I'm sorry, I lost my, my train of thought. Um, so it was basically... About, it was about, I asked about majority vote, and when there's only one dad and one mom, you can't get a majority vote. <laughs> it's a split. Is that right. where you were headed? Um Yes, it, it's about our best interest. You know, it's uh, it, everybody thinks they have the best interest at heart, and um, that's really where it makes it really difficult. So one of the, the yes, and that's where what I was going for is choosing to give up what you want because you think it's best. Because you can't get a majority vote all the time, you have to, at some point, at some time, give up the notion that you're going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really difficult for people. Mm-hmm. Because they care so much about the kids, or they care so much about the parent, or they care so much about whatever it is that they're arguing about. I mean, like we see this in politics all the time, too. They care about it could be the community if it's and if it's a work environment they they care so much about the project because they're very invested in the project and so they're so vested in that project personally and they put so much of themselves into it that it's hard for them to 
spend. It's hard for them to give up that part of themselves because that's what it feels like. Do you know what I mean? I think I have a fairly good idea. So, like with us, and for me, it was giving up the notion of moving mom. And for me, it was giving up the notion of becoming a power of attorney, where I stated that it's what I wanted, but then I stepped back and allowed them to, uh, allowed it to to not be, not happen. I allowed Mm -hmm. them to, we just, for us, it was like a status quo until we actually had a majority vote. Mm -hmm. So that's a really difficult thing for people to step back and allow the process to take on a life of its own, to just go Mm -hmm. with the flow. Most Mm -hmm. people can't go with the flow. They just get mad. Mm -hmm. And what we did was stop getting mad and just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a more constructive approach. (laughs) Just getting angry and just getting defensive aren't aren't helpful for solving problems or coming up with uh, creative ideas about what would be something you could do that would make things better. Right. And, you know, with you being a mediator, I'm sure you're really well aware of that. And that's really what happens. At some people, at some point, people lose track of what they're really arguing about. And, mm-hmm. and like, back to your question about whether it's something specific or not, a lot of times, it's not a specific thing. There, mm-hmm. like, with regard to the power of attorney, that was, it turned into something that was not specific. Mm-hmm. I, I think that at, at there were times where none of us really could voice what it is that we were really bothered by. None of us could really voice what it is that we really wanted or what we didn't want. And because we're, we get so used to wanting a certain thing and knowing that this is the thing that it's supposed to be, um, after a while, we lose track of the reason we wanted that in the first place. Mm-hmm. So in, in that situation, I, it's something family mediators work a lot, work with quite a bit, helping um, adult siblings make a decision about an elderly relative who can't make the decisions for themselves anymore. Um, and I know that sometimes money is an issue. Sometimes the closeness of each of the individual children's relationships with the parents is an issue. Sometimes the mommy always liked you better is an issue. Did your family have to deal with those kinds of things? Uh, not the latter one, but yeah, I think definitely the individual, our individual relationships did come mm-hmm. into play to some extent because my oldest sisters were um, our, our half-sisters, and uh, a couple of them decided to not be in the process. So, oh. um, And in the end, it was just four of us instead of all six of us. So, I see. Um, okay. So there was a little bit of that. Okay. Well, we're going to be going to break in a moment, and when Judy Graybill and I come back, we will be talking about other kinds of relationships, not just adult siblings deciding how to help their how best to help their parent, but also the relationship between one parent and the in-laws on the other side of the family 
or relationships between cousins or an adult child who is not speaking to his or her parent. We'll be getting into other kinds of relationships that get strained and somebody needs to figure out how to transform what's going on into something healthy and positive. We'll be back soon. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively In a private, confidential setting, we help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Colin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Family members too often find themselves in court arguing about separation, parenting schedules, financial issues, divorce, estates, or care of an elderly relative. There's a better way to solve a family problem. Work with a professional mediator in private, confidential meetings. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. I'm Virginia Collin, talking today on Family Matters with Judy Graybill, who is a certified step family coach and also coaches people about other relationships. Her clients praise her for giving them peace of mind, empowerment, insights, and real-world solutions. So we are going to move on now and talk about some of the most difficult kinds of family relationships or, or breaks in relationships that occur. And that's when two people who are closely related are not speaking to each other. It could be two siblings. It could be a parent and adult and an adult child. Um, 
you know, there, there are other possibilities, but it's surprisingly common to have two people who are closely related and won't talk to each other. So tell me a little about that, Judy. You've, I know you've worked with folks in this situation. Yeah, so there's like two aspects of this. And one aspect is how you feel about the other person and what, um, what resentments you have for that other person. And the other half of that is what resentments they hold for, toward you. So you may or may not know what resentments they hold toward you. So the, way, the place to start is any resentments you hold towards that other person. And um, so it's kind of a self-evaluation, and it's also partly a forgiveness process. You want the ultimate goal, I get on this side of it, this first step, is forgiveness. But that's actually a process. It's not like just a step. The, and the process to get there is, what did that person do? Why do you think it's strange? And to really try to dig deep into that. And sometimes what we do is try to, we, we feel like we need answers on why they did what they did or why they're not talking to us or why. So, like, for example, there is this, um, a, a person that I know of that came to me, and um, I'll just call him George. So George came to me, and he had expressed to me that he had not talked to his mom and I don't really know how many years I, it was more, I believe it was more than 10, but I don't know exactly. So he hadn't talked to his mom in more than 10 years. And he actually, at this point, he didn't know why. He had already, um, he didn't actually have any resentments towards his mom. So he was actually in the second phase of, of this process that I was talking about, um, where he really kind of just wanted to know what was the deal, why. And he felt like, I think he, he also said that she was negative and that kind of stuff, but it wasn't something that he felt was so important that he didn't want to have that relationship. And there was a part of him that was asking, you know, um, he was, I guess, concerned about reaching out because what she would say or what she wouldn't say or, Whatever, and basically, I encouraged him to reach out because you never know. And um, I basically told him, I said, "You're going to, you're already having the question. If you don't do it, you're always going to wonder what if I had." And that "what if I had" is a really big thing because many people live on regrets, and we don't want to die believing that we didn't actually even try because once we're not in this earth anymore or once the other person passes away, we don't have the opportunity anymore. So um, he actually did. He had reached out to his mom and um, nothing. He had tried a second time and nothing. And then we talked about it. And we concluded that Whatever it is, it's on her end, and that's something going on with her. So even though his actions didn't actually change the situation, it actually made him feel better about the situation. 
And that gave him a little bit of peace, just knowing that it wasn't anything he did. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So definitely, um, if you're wondering about healing a relationship and you reach out and try, that in itself is going to accomplish something, because at least you know you tried. Yes, um, and sometimes it's about, <clears throat> so there's two aspects of that. One, it's our emotional well-being that we like to pr- improve upon. And the second part of that is recognizing that sometimes, that sometimes it's just up to them. It's something going on with them. And whatever is going on with them absolutely has nothing to do with us at times. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's nothing that you can fix until they're ready. Right, right. Yeah, I think I heard you say that often the first step when you want to heal a relationship is self-evaluation. Could you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, so the self-evaluation has to do with... What did I do wrong? What I mean, when because a lot of and a lot of people get stuck on this too, or a lot of people miss this part, and so this is actually a really important part of this process because too many people get stuck on what they did to me and waiting for an apology from other people, and and when we do that self evaluation of what we did wrong, and that. The idea is to figure out what to apologize for because that is going to make a huge step forward in bridging your relationship. Even if you can only find a really small thing to apologize for, it starts the process of healing that relationship. And that's where the self-evaluation comes in. What did I do wrong? And if you can't think of anything, keep thinking. Uh. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the rule of thumb because most people are like, nope, nope, didn't. I didn't do anything wrong. I can't think of anything. I tried. Honest, like, it's all his fault or all her fault, not right. me. <laughs> and if you've spent a lot of time really trying to figure it out and not coming up with something, then you can reach out to that person and say, look, I'd really like to fix this relationship, but, you know, what went wrong here? What happened to us? And you can ask them, and then it's likely they'll tell you. You just have to mentally and emotionally prepare yourself for something you might not want to hear. That's why it's good to do that, to try to figure it out before you have the conversation with them. But if you absolutely, positively do not believe you did anything wrong and you really need them to help you with that, then, then I would suggest to approach them and ask them, but approach them with a sense of humility because, like I said, if it's a strained relationship, especially if it's a really bad relationship, expect them to tell you something you're not, you don't want to hear. It's probably going to piss you off. Mm-hmm. You know that, especially, and this is um, this is a big thing, like with ex-spouses, for example. But it could be with siblings. It could be like with coworkers, because a lot of times um, we don't really know what we did to offend another person, and they're really offended at something we did, but we don't always know. 
and they hold a grudge. I mean, there's all kinds of misunderstandings for all kinds of different reasons, and um, we don't really know that um, it's been a problem until they tell us. Mm-hmm. One of the other th- important things that I heard you say was don't get stuck on waiting for an apology. And that's to me, that is huge. You know, I, I've just met a lot of people who were blocked in a strained relationship because they're so mad and they're waiting for the other person to apologize. And while they're carrying the grudge, they're carrying a poison inside themselves. You know, you, you right. probably can describe that better than I can, but. I know that if you can find a way to set it aside, leave it behind you, maybe go through some of what you might describe as a forgiveness process, you can free yourself from something that's really weighing your life down, even if the other person never apologizes. Right. Absolutely. You said, wow, I, I, I want to capture everything you just said, and I want to like tweet it because that was so perfect. Um, <laughs> But a, a situation did come to mind with somebody I was talking to recently, and it was um, she is actually going through a divorce, and um, her issues are not are more with her mother-in-law than it is with her um, soon-to-be divorced husband, mm-hmm. because her mother-in-law um, never really liked her, mm-hmm. and um, basically over many years or the course of the marriage gave her, um, told her son very many negative messages about her. And we'll just call this woman Mary for simplicity's sake. Um, so Mary has a lot. Now she's going through a divorce with her husband. We'll call him Mike. And, um, but Mary, most of Mary's resentment is actually towards Mike's mom because, uh, and she feels that that has a lot to do with the reason why, their marriage fell apart, and it has mm-hmm. a lot to do with um, why the strained relationship. So basically, she really feels like her husband has changed, and a lot of that has to do with his mom. So as far as the waiting for the apology goes, there's actually, I'm going to throw another wrench into this, waiting for the change. She's actually waiting for them to change in order to actually make this better. And um, apology would also work, either one. She's waiting for either the change or the apology. Neither one is likely to happen just because they have not recognized their part. They have not recognized that anything that they're doing as something that's wrong or that is um, something that's hurtful to her. And I believe she's, try- she's tried many times to convey these thoughts, but they're just not getting it. Mm-hmm. So that's it's, where she's at right now. It sounds as if for her, there might be an, a possibility of choosing not to interact with the ex-mother-in-law and just talk to her ex-husband and say, um, I would like to make things better between us. Right. And, you know, I think that if we leave your mom out of the discussion and just focus on each other. 
yeah, we I, might I, do better. Right, and, and that that's um, that's brilliant, and I and I agree. What it, the reason she finds that difficult is because he's actually living with his mom now. So, <laughs> so the mother-in-law is very involved with um, Mike's life right now, okay. and so she has very very minimal direct contact with Mike's mom. But when she when her daughter is over at um, Mike's house, his um, his mom is often taking care of her, and then so then there's some discipline issues, and 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 so for her it's difficult. But I, I like what you said mm-hmm. because every not everybody who's listening is going to be in a situation where their mom is the ex is living with the, the in law. So mm-hmm. I think what you said is a great idea for people um, to do that as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I was assuming there must be at least one child in the picture or else she wouldn't need to fix the relationship with her ex-husband. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I, for her, she's still she's still in love with him, and she, I think uh, uh, that makes it a little bit difficult. Yep, that does. Yeah. And I've seen... I've seen that situation in quite a few families that a parent of one of the spouses really does have a lot of influence on that one and can sometimes do tremendous damage to the relationship between the two spouses. Yes. It's sad. And like and back to what you said when they can minimize that as much as possible and um it, it, I, I do remember coaching a couple once where the in-laws was uh, um, the grandparents of the of the kids had a lot of influence, um, and what I helped them to do is work to, um, really well together as a team, so that everything they did um, was kind of complete in such a way that they didn't need any input. So they became resilient to any input and. Um, influence from the grandparents because they themselves worked so um, well together as a team. So if it's a single person that um, is dealing with maybe some residual or indirect influence, the tighter they can be with regard to what they do and how they do it, and then not caring what that other person does, then um, I think that would help them. Okay. Can you say a little more about the forgiveness process that you try to help people go through? Okay, sure. Um, so I, I want to stress the process part because um, the other thing I say about forgiveness is that it is ongoing and it's repetitive. So the thing with forgiveness is, or one of the things that helps us to forgive is to really under, put ourselves in that person's shoes as much as possible and really learn as much as we can about that other person. So understanding how that person was raised, what kind of previous um, relationships that person had, and how it affected them. So in the case of Mike and Mary, for example, one of the things that could help Mary is to um, look at the relationship between Mike and his mom and what was going on in... So let's just say that Mike's mom's name is, um, let's see, uh, Sally. So um, we could look at Sally's previous relationships um, and what was her um, 
relationship with Mike early on. What was Sally's relationship like with her other kids? So, for example, if um, Sally had a divorce early on and, and that affected her ability to be close with Mike, then she's going to be ultra-protective of that relationship with Mike. So we can start looking at those type of things. Or um, maybe um, Sally was raised in such a way where um, women did certain things. Like maybe all the women in her life and and her ancestry um, took care of the house and uh, were very feminine and, and were housewives and that kind of thing. And maybe Mary represents the opposite of those things. So then we can start looking at, well, that has nothing to do with me. So maybe forgiving her because those are just the messages that she was raised with. Maybe Sally was raised with a, um, in a particular religion that taught certain beliefs. Maybe she was raised with certain cultural ideals, religious ideals. Um, there are certain cultures, religions, um, ethnicities that teach certain things. And Judy, we're going to take another break now, and when we come back, we'll be talking more about transforming strained relationships into healthy relationships in a variety of kinds of relationships. Back soon. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Sadly, that's wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, or co-parenting, there is a better way. Family Mediation. Save time, save money, and make good plans for your children. Visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at APFMNet.org. That's APFMNet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions. Especially in cases of divorce, far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. Judy Graybill is my guest today, and I'm Virginia Collin, your host, and we're talking about transforming strained relationships. During the break, I was talking with Judy, and she got started on something that I don't know much about. So, Judy, I'm going to ask you to tell me more. What is What are the day-to-day actions that you have to take? What are, what are the steps? Okay, great, thanks. Um, so one of the things that I like to tell people that I work with is that what's e- what makes it easier to figure out what to say and what to do is to understand uh, overall perspective. So perspective actually overrules everything else and it will make your decisions as far as what to do and how to do it easier and the words you say. So for the first step is what is your intention? What is the reason you want to work on this relationship? And it's, it's kind of like we, as entrepreneurs, we hear this all the time, what is your why? It's kind of the same thing with your relationships. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to improve this? For, for me with my sisters, it was because Working as a team with my sister was very important to me. And I'd like to be more specific than that, but it's really just that. I wanted to have a better relationship. And a lot of people just feel like they're missing something. They just want to have a, to feel whole, to feel blessed. So whatever their intention is, I mean, with co-parents, it's easy because it's for the health of the kids. So their kids can have a better self-esteem. So their kids can have, um, so their kids can be healthier. I mean, uh, happier. So they can have better exchanges. Their kids not not caught in the middle. Um, with, as the story I mentioned with George earlier, the his why was la- the lack of what if. He doesn't want any regrets. So mm-hmm. set your intention and figure out what your why is, and then you set a vision of what that actually looks like. So. Your why is only the reason, but what that actually looks like on a database. So then you start imagining, so then when I'm with this person, what would that look like? Are we going to be huggy-huggy? Are we just going to be talking better? Are we not going to be arguing? Are we going to be hanging out? Are we going to go out for drinks? Are we going to go out for girls' night? Um, You know, that kind of thing. So then you set up the vision. Mm Mm-hmm. So those, okay. are the first, so those are the first things. And then, um, then you just hold on to that when you're talking with them. So in everything that you do and everything that you say, you ask yourself ahead of time, how do I get this result? So you have the vision in mind, like maybe um, it's going to look like having um, – like, it could be, if it's an in-law, maybe it's going to be going out for drinks or going out for tea, depending on what kind of personality you have. So um, you hold on to that vision, what it looks like. 
So then when you're interacting with that person, um, in the back of your mind, whatever it is that you're saying, you're gauging on whether they will or not. And at some point, you're just going to ask them, hey, let's go out for drinks. And so that's one step towards that vision. And if the vision is, like, for example, with me and my sisters, my vision was us having a majority vote, that me, what that looked like for me was if I'm outvoted, I just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's simple, but it's not, you know. But it's cause, hard. <laughs> right, because when shutting up, when everyone else when wants you know something that, that you, you don't want. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? When shutting up when you know you're right, that's really difficult. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but eventually other people follow suit. So, like, initially it looked like me shutting up and not getting what I wanted, but it sends a message to them that I'm, um, I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. It, it lets them come off their defenses a little bit. So mm-hmm. once they start putting their defenses down, so... The other part of this is doing this repeatedly. So one of the common mistakes that people make is expecting it to transform overnight. They, like, make one attempt, and they did it, and they tried, and it didn't work. So they give up because it, quote-unquote, didn't work. But what this really looks like could take months. It could take, like, the example I gave with my sisters, this is several family conversations and some of those were way longer than I wanted to spend <laughs> on a phone mm-hmm. call. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of arguments in the interim, but mm-hmm. eventually the defenses started falling down. Mm-hmm. And once defenses started falling down, then that bridged the gap for actually more productive conversations. Mm-hmm. So it actually looks it really does look and feel like a process. Mm-hmm. And initially it might feel like failure, but it really isn't. You just have to keep holding to that vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could add from my own experience that sometimes it's not just a matter of months. Sometimes it's actually a matter of years. Yes, yes, that's a good, really I, good point. I know there was, there was a time when I was a young adult when I was on very bad terms with my dad and I just really didn't want to talk with him and didn't want to communicate with him and didn't want to receive communication from him. Um, and he kept reaching out in an inviting way, saying that he loved me and I was important and he wanted me in his life. And he did that for enough years. I finally got over it, <laughs> got over what was bothering me. Enough to say, you know, he's earned this. He deserves this. You know, he loves me. I don't want to be cruel to him. Um, and, wow. you know, we, I we, love that story. That gave me chills when you said that. That is so awesome. Do you know how many people that follow me would love to hear that story? Because I tell people that, especially with step parents who have, are separated separated step-parents uh-huh. who uh-huh. have a hard time maintaining that relationship with their stepkids. And I've also said that to non-custodial parents. 
Mm-hmm. So um, that, I love that you said that. That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes it takes years. Yeah. And and your your clients and friends can hear that by tuning in to the recording of this episode of Family Matters. Yes, I hope they are. It'll be available online indefinitely. <laughs> yes, I'm going to actually be sending it out regularly too, so. Oh, okay. So, um one important question you know, sometimes working on it for years, continuing to reach out does eventually pay off. Sometimes it doesn't. What, how do people know when it's time to give up? How long should people keep trying to transform a relationship that isn't going well and the other person is not, not coming on board to try to help make it better? That is an excellent question. Okay, so... Um so I guess the the next question I would ask is like, what kind of response are you getting from that person? So if you're not getting any response at all from that person, it is a lot harder to answer that question. And I almost want to say, don't give up ever, because you don't really know. Um, but if you're getting responses from the other person, then that gives you a lot of information to go on. So you want to look at um, what, what is the tone of voice in the responses, whether it's written or verbal. So are they combative? Are, are they insulting? Are they criticizing? So the word that comes to mind is self-honoring. Is this, relationship, are, is this person coming at a point of honoring me? Or are they just criticizing me? So if this person is just criticizing me over and over and over and over again, then I'm going to say, um, and by me and I mean every, anybody who's listening, um, that's when you want to give up because it's not a self-honoring situation. So it's not likely that they are going to change if that is the way they are coming at you and the responses. Mm-hmm. If they are more open, well, a lot, they might actually be more neutral. So if they're more neutral and they're like, you know what, I'm just busy right now, I don't have time, and they're kind of evasive in that sense, so it's an evasive neutrality, then that they're probably more open to it because... Um, so basically, some of the things, I have a blueprint for change, and mm-hmm. I call it AWAIT, Awareness, Willingness, Action Plan, Implementation, and Tracking. So, and all of, and those are critical that, in that, that order. Sounds, that sounds worth repeating. Awareness, and what else? Okay, so it's AWAIT, A-W-A-I-T, A for Awareness, W for Willingness, A for action plan, I for implementation, and T for tracking. So the other person has to be aware of what the problem is and what the change looks like. They have to be aware that it's something you want. They have to be aware of the solution. Typically, it's like a problem-solution type of thing. Are they aware of the problem? Are they aware of the solution? And do they agree with the problem-solution that you and your person your interpretation of it. So a lot of times their awareness of what the problem between the two of you 
is a very different thing than the, your awareness. So, for example, if I'm mad at something and they might be mad at something else, um, like with step-parents or co-parents, it could be one is mad at the kid exchange or dirty clothes or not getting the clothes washed, but the other person is like, in their interpretation, the problem is privacy. You're not giving me your privacy or you're overstepping your bounds. So if each person has an awareness of what the problem is and it's different, then they're probably not going to change. Or they could find a good family mediator. Right. (laughs) We'll help them figure that out. (laughs) Right. And then willingness, because if they're acting like they're willing, then it's kind of a Mm no-brainer. Okay. Um, I'm going to cut you a little bit short because we have just about a minute to go. And I definitely want to let people know they can find you online at stepfamilycoach.com. And then in our last minute, what would you like to repeat for emphasis or to add? Um, forgiveness is repeated or is repetitive and ongoing. And um, listen with the intent to understand. Stop trying to change people and just accept people as they are first. Wow, that's a huge one. I think we should say that again. Listen with the intent of understanding. Yes. And try not to change people. Accept them for who they are first before we try to change them. Terrific. All right. Thanks for uh, educating us, Judy Grabo. Thank you for having me, Virginia. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.